Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Wednesday, December 2nd. Today on the show, we'll take a look at the Vanderbilt coaching hot board, as well as the college football playoff rankings. But we get started today with a look at the Cleveland Browns. Since the Browns are a very different team from last year, featuring a new coaching staff and a very different record, let's take a deeper look at just exactly what the Cleveland Browns really are in 2020. Yes, they're 8-3, and three, but it's, as we say in the business, a soft 8-3. and three. The Browns have played four teams with a winning record currently all season long and have lost to three of them. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Las Vegas are their three losses, and the 32-23 home win over the Colts is the only win that this Browns team has over another team with a winning record. In fact, in the other seven wins, the combined record of the Browns' opponents is 19-55-2, and four of those seven wins have come over last-place teams. Despite this schedule being extremely weak, the Browns are still sporting a negative 21-point differential which at 8-3 and three is pretty hard to do. It means that Cleveland is winning very close games, and when they lose, they lose big. Baltimore beat them by 32 points. Pittsburgh beat them by 31, and Vegas won by 10. Meanwhile, six of their eight wins have come by one score or less, which traditionally is a bad way to try to survive long-term on any level of football. Close games are like fumble recoveries. Over time, statistically, the numbers trend towards a 50-50 proposition. And right now, the Browns are 6-0 in that situation. How about the quarterback, Baker Mayfield? Can the same be said of him? Is he not as good as his 8-3 record indicates? Well, he's clearly playing better and quieter football this year under Kevin Stefanski. If nothing else, he's making zero headlines outside of some funny ads, and that's probably a smarter place for him to be. But... How much better has he been, and how much of his team's success is simply tied to an excellent running game? Mayfield has failed to reach 200 yards passing in six of the 11 games this year, averaging a career-low 191 yards per game. His 7.2 yards per attempt is 21st in the NFL, and exactly where it was last year. He's failed to throw a touchdown pass in three of his last four games, and five of his 17 total scoring throws this year came in one win over Cincinnati. That means in the other 10 games he's played, he's thrown a grand total of 12 touchdown passes. He's also taken five sacks in the last two games and fumbled twice. Having said that, some other efficiency metrics are better than a year ago. He has not thrown an interception in four games. His completion percentage is up slightly. His quarterback rating is way up from last year. His touchdown percentage is up, and his interception percentage has plummeted. So the answer is probably a little bit of both. Mayfield has quieted his game down both on and off the field. He's not taking big chances, he's protecting the football better, and he's a more efficient and successful quarterback because of it. But that approach only works when his offense leads with the running game. If you slow down the number one rushing attack in the NFL and force Baker to resort to his old ways of playing backyard ball, which works at Oklahoma but not in the NFL, then from a matchup standpoint, the Titans appear to be the far superior team especially considering the Browns' strength of schedule or lack thereof to date. For, of course, more thorough analysis of the big win by the Titans over the Colts for all the good feels and, of course, a look ahead to the Cleveland Browns, make sure you are rating, reviewing, and subscribing to Football and Other F-Words from Broadway Sports Media right here on the 440 Sports Network. The guys come out every Tuesday with a new episode. Make sure you check it out. Football and Other F-Words, rate, review, and subscribe.
As it pertains to the Vanderbilt head coaching search, yesterday we took a look at the program's strengths and weaknesses that it has to offer prospective candidates. Today we take a look at the coaching hotboard. Who are the legitimate candidates Vanderbilt is targeting and who will get an interview with the school's decision makers? We bring back Chris Lee of VandySports.com to dissect each of the school's top four candidates. We've done a hot board at VandySports.com, and it had four names. And what I was trying to do with that was not just throw spaghetti against the wall and, hey, this sounds good. I was trying to say, here are guys where there's actually an angle, where the school's interested or they're interested or both are interested. I came up with four names. Um, Jeff Fisher was the fourth. I really don't see him is a big factor in this search, but he is trying to get the job. I know with a thousand percent certainty, uh, the, the three that I think, and I would take these three and say, it's going to be one of these guys. And I would bet this against the field of everybody else. I think that it will probably be either Clark Lee, Notre Dame defensive coordinator, who's got Vandy ties. He played there. I would say, Will Healy, everybody knows that's a name that's going to come up. He had success at Austin P. He grew up a Vanderbilt fan. I had an uncle who was an All-American there. And I would say the third one, and this surprised me, but I've checked on this and there seems to be legs, is Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina, who I think is a guy that a lot of people get excited with for good reason. I think all those guys are good choices. I think they've all got interests. I think you could settle on one of those three guys and you'd be just fine. That was Chris Lee of VandySports.com. Make sure you check out his podcast right here on the 440 Sports Network. VandySports.com is the name of the show. Rate, review, and subscribe, obviously. What do I think of these candidates? You guys already know what I think of Will Healy. Of these four names, he is my top choice. I am almost 100% sure that he would take the job. He's young, has ties to not only Tennessee, but also to Vanderbilt specifically as well, has culture-building experience, and would bring a young, fresh attitude to what is currently a very stale brand. He's as close to James Franklin or Bruce Pearl as you can get and doesn't have any of the extra baggage. Clark Lee might be a great head coach one day, and I know he's an alum, but this program just tried a defensive coordinator from an academic school ranked in the top 10 without any experience being a head coach, and it didn't work. I don't know how well that would go over with the fan base, even if Lee is a really good candidate. Jimmy Chadwell is a solid option with head coaching experience and a pristine 9-0 record this season. He checks a lot of boxes, and you could do a lot worse, but he's just as unproven at the highest levels as either Lee or Healy, and he has no ties to the area, which again, sometimes is a good thing. Lastly, you could do a lot worse as well than Jeff Fisher, and you know that his teams would be well coached. But how much is his heart into all of the other BS you have to put up with in the college ranks to be good? Recruiting the rubber chicken circuit, answering phone calls about kids doing stupid things at 2 a.m. How much does he love working, or is he just still into fishing? If these are the four names that Vanderbilt is deciding between, which by all accounts is the case, then the answer to me is clearly Will Healy, and I'm not sure it's even close for me. As expected, there was no change at the top of the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night. Alabama was a clear number one, and with the defense rounding into form, looks like the easy favorite to roll to yet another national title. Notre Dame held steady at number two after a fantastic showing over North Carolina on the road, while Clemson stays at number three after destroying Pittsburgh last weekend. The Irish has clinched a spot in the ACC championship game, in fact, and is awaiting the rematch with the Tigers should they clinch this weekend against Virginia Tech. Ohio State is fourth, Texas A&M is fifth, and Florida is sixth. Cincinnati stays at number seven, and Georgia moves up one spot to number eight as the nation's top-rated two-loss team. Tuesday night was all chalk with the rankings, but there is a large development to keep an eye on, especially if you're an SEC fan. 
Ohio State needs to play six games to be eligible to play in the Big Ten title game. And their game this weekend against Michigan State or next weekend against Michigan could be in jeopardy. There is a chance that they will not be eligible to play for the Big Ten title. So what would the committee do with the Buckeyes if they finished the season with only five or six total games and no conference championship? How do you compare that resume to what could end up being a 9-1 Texas A&M team should they win out? What about if Florida beats Alabama in Atlanta? In that situation, you would have three one-loss SEC teams that would all be able to make legitimate cases to be in the playoff. College football is already a sport where we have asked for the human element to decide our playoff. Deciding between teams that have played the same number of games is hard enough after 12 or 13 games. But how on earth can you decide who is better when one team has played 10 SEC games and the other one has played five Big Ten games? I do not envy the committee this year at all, but frankly, this is what we all signed up for, and unless you had your head buried in the sand, you knew this was coming. There is still plenty of time for this to work itself out. Ohio State could technically still finish at 7-0 and and as a Big Ten champ should they play all their games. Florida could get roasted by Alabama in the SEC title game, eliminating the Gators. Notre Dame could beat Clemson a second time, which would eliminate the Tigers. All of those outcomes could still happen, and it would make the committee's job far easier. But college football is a game of chaos, and if I've learned anything covering this wonderful sport for almost two decades, it's not only to expect the chaos, but to embrace it. Thank you guys all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. Please follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. You can follow 440 Sports at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook as well. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Share it. Please tell everybody. We do appreciate it. This has been the 440 for Wednesday, December 2nd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.